in the words of the legendary Lou Gellerman. Hello, dog fans, and welcome to the Sound the Siren podcast, because everything matters, including two days away from the first game of the 2023 season with Washington football chasing the singularity, and uh, the Huskies going full cowboy and busting Broncos all over the field Saturday afternoon. Uh, I am your host, as usual, Hooligan7, uh, joined tonight by Big Hood. How you doing tonight, bud? Oh, man, doing real, real good. Can't wait uh, till Saturday, obviously. Obviously hyped that it's a day game and some solid weather, too. 79 so. degrees. It'll be uh, real definitely good. don't bring your uh, your North Face, your Columba, Columbia, your whatever long sleeve, whatever fleece you got, Husky fans. This going to be toasty. Um, and not to give away the too much of our uh, forthcoming discussion. Uh, we're going to see some uh, Bronco deposted as well <laughs> on Saturday. Um, but uh, without further uh, further ado, uh, beverages of choice. So, uh, what do you got tonight, buddy? Um, so, you know, I obviously still have my water. You know, of course, got to have that. But, you know, since it was game day, I had to get, you know, my insides ready. Uh, for the game day, especially if it's a day game, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I prefer to day drink. So, um, you know, go hard or go home, man. I got some, I got some space dust, man. You know what I'm saying? Just some, some basic, some basic, uh, some basic energy here, but, uh, getting prepared, you know? totally agree man that that video got me hyped man i felt like i was ready to play man and you know uh shout out to casey byers like you said in that team um hadley as well i know they've um, added a couple other people to you know to their team or whatnot and man it's uh it's been awesome to see you know them to kind of take that um the videography and you know just kind of some of the marketing to the next level man we, we obviously were advocating for that for a long time and they uh They've done a phenomenal job, man, for sure. All right, and uh, we can go ahead and move on in to stupid tweets. Uh, and I'll, I'll start here. Uh, and uh, I will give a shout-out for not stupid tweets to Rob Baueron, who is at beta underscore rank underscore FB. Uh, but the stupid tweet... Uh, I'm mentioning comes from our old friend, uh, Michael Black underscore FB, uh, saying that the U.S. government is very similar to that of the Roman Empire with more diplomatic tendencies than oligarchical. Uh, Mike, the president of the United, <laughs> the president of the United States, it, it is not a Caesar. He doesn't wield absolute power w w with some legislative authority residing in the Senate. Um, Stick to the argument that college football didn't start before 1994. There's at least somebody that might listen to you on that one. Granted, they're all confused individuals, but at least somebody might think you have a point. <laughs> and that, the worst part was he he kept trying to defend the points. Uh, that was that was kind of the worst part. It's like he just finished a Roman history class or European history class and wanted to share his uh yeah for his rabbit holes uh, or uh, you know. Tallahassee or somewhere in Florida, you know, Oregon extension campus program. I, I don't know, but <laughs> you know, they don't teach much in Florida apparently these days, you know, in public schools. So maybe that explains why there's so many duck fans down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a good, stupid tweet, man. Um, I got, I got kind of stuck between a couple. So, um, 
I will say I'll roll with Josh Pate personally. Um, he had, uh, when he was picking his CFP picks and champion, um, not only is the champion Alabama, uh, which I, I feel like they don't even know who their quarterback is and their, you know, their defense isn't going to be good enough to make things happen, but they have uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, and Oregon. And obviously, um, the Oregon being in there is pretty wild to me um, as a serious contender. But kind of off them, I uh, want to move to some more psychotic behavior. Um, so uh, username B3.0 uh, giving us a look into the future and saying that the Beavers are going to go 12-0 and this year. Um, so... And also mentioning today during the Utah game that the Beavs would run the SEC. So th- this guy is is has lost his marbles. Wow, he's gone full toodles. <laughs> he's gone full toodles, and I, I, he continues to engage me. So I'm it, it's it's a it's a field day of stupid tweets over here wow. for me. Wow, that's uh, that's that's something. I think the Oregon State delusion has been the the most fun thing this offseason. It hasn't even really yeah. been any of the other schools. Yeah. yeah. I got into a fun little thread about, like, I made a comment about their receiver room kind of based on some of the conversations we had had last week. And, uh, no, their, their receiver room's a bunch of cheetahs. They're a bunch of cheetahs, but the size really is in the tight end room. And I'm like, well, that's all well and good. But then you could also, like, say, look at Washington's receiver room and gentlemen above 6'1", 6'2", that are tall and run fast. You can have, it is possible to yep. have both. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and, uh, do you have any more stupid tweets that we need to, to chuckle about? Oh, no, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a bunch, uh, throughout yeah. game day. So <laughs> for sure, hopefully not for many of, uh, uh, us or, uh, us key Twitter greats, uh, that, that we share GCs you, with, you know, they come you know they coming. Program is over. <laughs> the season is over if we give up a first down on the first drive. You know, I'm calling my <laughs> shot now. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the mailbag. Uh, and we got uh, a couple of good questions. Uh, first, uh, a question, I think, from the Husky Outpost pod. Uh, and I could be getting these backwards. And if so, I'm sorry. I don't have them right in front of me. I have them written down, but I forgot to tag who they were. Uh, but the first question was, what group is going to cause create the, the most turnovers uh, from our defense. Uh, I'll uh, yield you the floor to, to take this one. What do you think? Um, I will say I would look for our defensive backfield. Um, it's hard to pinpoint whether that's going to be safety or corner, um, but I definitely think our defensive backfield is going to uh, be the one that has the most turno- turnovers. I don't know how well um, our edges are going to actually get to Taylor Green, but I'm fairly confident that with our D, our interior defensive line rotation, that we can at least push the pocket and force him to make like uh, rush throws or throws on the run. Yep. Um, and so that just I don't think there's going to be strip sacks and those types of things. I think it's going to be more so like contested throws, rush throws, tip passes, those types of things. Yep. So, yep, I agree with you. And and it really is an interesting question because it's like who gets credit if it's a, a pressure that forces a turnover? Is it the the secondary that made the play catching the ball, or was it? created or versus you know a pure interception where Taylor green has time makes a poor decision and somebody makes a play on the ball um i tend to think that this is actually probably going to be a good day um and i would actually echo what you're saying and i think it's going to be give the credit to the secondary i think there will be some pressure um but with the mobility that the Taylor green has um i don't necessarily expect us to get home quite as much and feel like I'm going to be perfectly content if ZTF, Braylon, Maurice, Sakai beat their guys off the line and play very, very assignment sound football and don't necessarily go chasing and create a vulnerability where, where the defense is then unbalanced based on the, the length of, you know, the, how long the play has been running. I'd rather just see them keep contained uh, and trust the guys on the other end to do the job. And you think of um, other forms of turnovers like fumbles. You could have them on ball carriers and stuff like that. And I don't think that their running backs, um, Halani and Genty, are huge fumblers. Like they they seem pretty, you know, um, to, have, to have some solid uh, ball security. Yep. So if there are any of those types of fumbles, it may be a linebacker making a um, a perimeter tackle or a safety making a perimeter tackle. 
and on a receiver or a tight end, you see a fumble. So DBs there yep. as well. Agreed. Agreed there. Uh, and then our other question, give me just one second to open my phone again, uh, came in from uh, at Corey, uh, Corey T27. Corey, how many true freshmen get into the game? How many will redshirt? Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say three play this game. And I'm going to say it's going to be Tayshawn. It'll be, I think Tybo's going to get a snap. Um, and then I think, I don't necessarily know that I can name the, the, I'm not, I will specify the position for the third without saying who it is, because I think it's up in the air. And I think it's going to be later in the game. I think we're going to see one of the freshman defensive back, see some action, defensive back, see some action. But that's my that's my prediction. Hood, what do you think? Um, this was a uh, a freshman that we felt like was gonna play. Um, I will say I think uh, special teams uh, you'll probably see. In my opinion, I feel like Devin Bryant yep. may be out there. Uh, just as a winter enrollee, so goal. has been in the program already for <laughs> for what eight nine months now. Um, so. I'll say Devin Bryant, I think, is going to touch the field, especially if we get up late, too, uh, just to kind of get him acclimated to a good team with solid speed and physicality, and they're, they're disciplined, well-coached, even their second stringer. So uh, Devin Bryant out there, I'd say, on defense and on offense. Um, I think we may see some KOR love, you know what I'm saying, for Tybo Rogers. Uh, some KOR uh, love for uh, Tybo Rogers. Um, maybe a little bit in the backfield. Um, they tend to bring his name up when they speak about running backs and like people, they're super excited just to kind of get reps. They bring his name up a lot um, as if maybe even he's a uh, plus four game kind of guy. So speaking to the second part of the question about who burns the shirt, um, I would say probably my number one candidate for that is Tybo, certainly with the injury to CD. Um, I think Tybo Mm -hmm. with what he brings, I mean, if you want our thoughts on Tybo Rogers, go back to our recruiting <laughs> episode. We all have some nice things to say about Tybo. We like what he brings to the table for sure. Um, and then even with Tayshawn, like unless we see some significant injuries to the receiver room, I think that there's depth that I think it, excuse me, there's going to be much more of an opportunity to be strategic about when the freshmen get their four games, but still maintain the red shirt outside. Like I agree. I think that you made a great point about Devin Devin Bryant, and I think that might be one as well, just for the need on special teams. With I'm not saying the linebacker room isn't deep and talented, but there's just less depth there. It's, we're, it's not a group that's like the receiver room where we're like 12 guys deep. The linebacker room is four or five guys deep, and so if you know if an injury happened, you're going to probably see more of a chance that that a, a Devin Bryant or Jordan Whitney is going to get pressed into action there. Uh, and also, too, just the way Inge kind of um, uh, manages that room. Um, last year, it was a, a consistent, solid rotation of of valuable snaps for the top six guys. Yep. So I think if you make that top six um, at any point in time, you're going to get some very valuable snaps at any given point in the game, whether that be on special teams or um, actually playing in the game. So, um, yeah, I definitely think uh, it would be Devin Bryant, especially over guys like, uh, obviously, Whitney got in there early, too. But I just think Devin – um, is probably that guy on defense for sure. Yep. Uh, I think we were originally planning to talk about uh, ideas to improve fan engagement and the game day experience. I think let's save that conversation for more of us <laughs> to discuss. Uh, there's definitely some, some great uh, ideas amongst the group. So I think we can go ahead and talk and go ahead. I was just gonna say, and after the Boise state game too, like we'll be able to yep. see, because it seems like they actually have themes every week now. Like, you know, they're they're ahead of the curve there. So just to see how, um, you know, they um, they implement kind of the things that they were talking yeah. about. Soft Superhero season. Day is going to be really interesting against Cal. That's going to be a fun one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, man, I feel like acting a fool this year, man. A little bit, take a little more pictures, act a little bit more of a fool. Yep. But. Uh, all right, let's <laughs> go in and let's, before we get in to dive deep about the, the Boise State preview, uh, let's let's do a quick run through uh, the conference games that are on the slate this weekend. It's certainly a great great weekend for college football. Some good games tonight. Certainly nice to see. Uh, I will say I'm glad that Utah got a win. Um, apologies to some 
anti-Ute factions or friends of ours. Um, but <laughs> but got to beat the SEC when you get the opportunity. Um, yep. uh, certainly the LSU Florida State game is, is of interest. Uh, nice to see Nebraska put up a fight. Uh, very much a, a Big Ten classic with uh, lots of puns, lots of <laughs> weirdness, and not necessarily a ton of offense. Um, but moving in, uh, we, we do have a, a conference game tomorrow. Well, I'm I'm remiss if, in not mentioning the game that is happening right now. And give me just one second to pull up ESPN. Um, and right now, uh, Dilly Dilly uh, and his charges with uh, at Arizona State are leading Southern Utah 21 to seven. But that game is in a weather delay. Have fun with that. We certainly have a fair amount of experience. Uh, with those uh, up here, um, but moving to games that we can't predict because they have can't haven't already happened or aren't already in process, so we can give our thoughts on them. Uh, we do have one game tomorrow night, uh, an eight o'clock kickoff uh, in, uh, in in Hawaii with Stanford visiting the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, what do you think about this one? Who do, who do you like in this one? Uh, yeah, I got to give this one to Stanford. Um... Yeah, I don't have a crazy reason why I think they may have a little bit more of the high end talent. Um, and they have, I think they have the better quarterback. They even if they don't have a ton of talent, I think their offensive line and defensive line is still probably going to be a little better. So I'm actually that's a tough. Yeah, I'm actually going to go Hawaii in this one. Granted, it was Vanderbilt, um, but they did put up 28 points on the road, flying all the way across the country. They're in their home stadium, and again, we talked about it in our. In a season preview episodes, this is not a good Stanford football team. Uh, so with the home field advantage and uh, with a game under their belts, and you know, there's the old cliche that teams improve most from week one to week two. Um, I think the I think Hawaii's got a leg up, and I think um, Stanford's going to come home disappointed. Whew, good points. Uh, and then moving on to a nine at hate, you know, something we're going to need to get used to uh, as well in the not too distant future. Uh, we've got uh, Colorado going to TCU for a nine o'clock kickoff uh, Saturday morning, which will be on Fox. What do you think? I think this game is actually going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, I do think TCU just based on experience and um, kind of playing at a certain level, kind of like, you know, Utah, like they've just had a certain standard for so long that I doubt that they, you know, lose to a team um, like I, I would say rebuilding. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be full of highlight plays. I think Colorado's definitely going to put up mm-hmm. a fight uh, for sure. Um, different energy in that in that locker room. So, but I will say, I will say TCU pulls it out on the strength of experience and being there before. Yep. Uh, and then moving on to uh, two teams in green facing off in uh, Autzen Stadium uh, Saturday afternoon at uh, for a twelve o'clock kickoff. Uh, Portland State uh, going down to Oregon. Um, uh, by the way, I'm, I will agree with you. I think TCU is going to win that game. I think s- that Colorado will put some points on the board. Uh, as as for Portland State at Oregon, as much as I would love to, for that game to be won by the uh, northerly <laughs> team wearing green from the state of Oregon, uh, <laughs> and will I laugh my ass off if that happens? Yes. Would I put any semblance of money on it? No. Do I think that's going to be an absolute barn burner of a blowout like done in eight minutes yes Oregon biked a lot (laughs) yeah I mean this is just basically a battle for who's the second best team in Oregon and I just think you know (laughs) uh, (laughs) you know um, I do think the gap between uh, two and three is pretty wide uh, but but uh, yeah, definitely a battle for that second place superiority there in the state of Oregon. I do think Oregon pulls it out, um, but they've got more work to do than than, than Portland State. So, uh, all right, the, the next on the the calendar would be our <laughs> game, so we're going to skip over that one to move on to uh, uh, another Pac-12 team going on the road and uh, Cal going to North Texas for a one o'clock kickoff on ESPNU. What do you think? I think that's going to be a fun game. Uh, North Texas has a pretty uh, fun offense. They definitely take a lot of shots. Um, I will say the strength of Cal um, is where the weaknesses of North Texas are. So I do think Cal just kind of um, pulls – I do think Cal pulls this okay. out. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I don't think it's 
Um, I think one of the results that would shock me most this weekend would be Cal in a blowout. But I do think Cal wins this game. Uh, moving along uh, to the Nevada Wolf Pack visiting uh, Caleb Williams and USC at 3.30 on Saturday on Pac-12 Network. Uh, for a little while there, USC was the second best Power 5 defense in the country. Uh, I don't think they still hold that honor. Uh, <laughs> sorry, fight on Rusty. Uh, that 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 uh, that's that place in the in the rankings has gotten Rusty. <laughs> uh, but uh, what do you what do you think of the the Wolfpack's chances in in the Coliseum? Yeah, I think USC kind of cleans up a lot of the stuff that they did week one. Um, I do think um, kind of seeing San Jose State. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually push a lot more other teams too. So I think San Jose State might have caught them off guard too, and I do feel like they um, they may be a little better than Nevada. So I do think USC, you know, um, handles their business here too. Uh, and then our uh, little bro, little bro time. Little bro gets to to kick off their season uh, in Fort Collins against Colorado State on CBS Sports Network at four o'clock on Saturday. What do you think? Oh. Oregon has two games on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) They got the back to back. And by the way, I also agree with you that USC is going to just win very, very comfortably against Nevada. Uh, But no, the Cougs in uh, Colorado State at 4 o'clock on Saturday. I think this is Cougs. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a... Ooh, they, they really handled their business and did so impressively, but I think they get it done. Yeah, I think they played to the level of competition in the first half, kind of the way Arizona State is right now. Um, yeah, and I, and I, but I think second half they they pull away, their rush gets there, they hit more explosives in the run game, et cetera, run the clock out. So I definitely think they get the dub. Yep, uh, and then moving the next game on the the Pac-12 docket is uh, Monty Python's favorite team uh, from from out west uh, to head to Tucson, and that would be the Northern Arizona uh, Lumberjacks. Uh, but I, I, I will, I'll jump in here and say that I don't think this one's particularly close. I think while, while Northern Arizona has played well in some of the games against their, their in-state, uh, fellow state schools, um, Arizona's got too much. Tete Rowan, uh, Tete Rowan McMillan by himself is just demolished them. Uh, so I don't think that's a particularly compelling game, uh, impact 12 after dark at seven o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd say look out for real fun highlight plays, man. Uh, obviously, Arizona has two weapons on the outside that are two of the best in the country. And, uh, you know, I'd say look look for some fun, fun highlights that game. A lot of mosses, a lot of run after yep. catch. Uh, and then 7.30 in the Rose Bowl, uh, Coastal Carolina comes all the way across the country to play UCLA. Uh, what do you think about that one? Yeah, Chip Kelly's a little... Uh, unprepared early on, you know, and may throw a lot, a little too much on the plate of his players early on. Um, so I do think that this game is, um, an upset watch. I won't give it to coastal Carolina. Um, but I will say, um, going to remind us of that South Alabama game last year where it's like, why are they hanging in? Um, why are they, why is their offense working? Why are and they converting on third down program than South Alabama? Absolutely, absolutely, and they've had more recent success too. So I think they don't—they don't have the the same amount of talent they had in their more sure. recent runs, but definitely a, a well-run program. So, uh, and then there's probably the only time in ninety percent of uh, Oregon State's roster that they're going to play on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the Beef uh, heading to San Jose to play uh, the aforementioned San Jose State. At twelve thirty on Sunday, what do you think? Uh, Beeb going to get a ten in the in Nor- in NorCal. Uh, you know, it's San Jose State, it correct? Is San Jose State, yes. Uh, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this uh, the game of the week in the Pac-12. I'm gonna say if there is any game where an upset happens, uh, you had Hawaii and Stanford. I don't think that's really an upset, I guess, but <laughs> true. Um, I'd say a Pac-12. <laughs> I'd say a Pac-12 loss. Um, I think this is the riskiest game um, there, so I definitely think and that early, uh, Oregon State can be upset. Early test for that the the new secondary for Oregon State with what they lost and the, what we've talked about. 
Yep, in the early front, just kind of dealing with that quarterback. Um, uh, very, very mobile. Um, athletic, too, on top of being mobile, can make you miss in open field, can pull away from you. Is there is Oregon State's linebackers and D-line fast enough? You know what I mean? Um, Nash was very successful last week as well, and so it's going to put their DB to the test, too. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think that could could be an upset there. I'll go I'll go Beavs with a late field goal, but definitely wouldn't wouldn't rule San Jose State out. Yep. All right. And uh let's move on to to the main course and talk a little Boise State at the Huskies on Saturday. Um we'll we'll do score predictions at the end, but uh let, let's kind of we'll, we can go back and forth about some of the keys to the game. Uh what would you put front and center as your number one key or kind of the biggest thing you're going to be paying attention to? Um, that's tough. I'd say, uh, for Boise state, it'll be, um, just their pass defense fatigue. That's what I think is going to be most important for them. They're a really disciplined group on the back end, although they're replacing a lot of their yep. best players um, on the back end. Avalos tends to, you know, have guys in position and how long can you do that? Because even if you're in position or not, you're still going to have to make the plays at the catch point and you don't have the better athletes there. So, how is losing some of these reps? Um, how how you know going to do you know for them? Yep. So. Yeah, and I think the uh, the big key that I'm going to or kind of one of the things that I'm going to be focusing most of my attention on at least early in the game uh, is actually on when we're on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to be paying really close attention to our interior D line against their or, or or you know essentially really our our D line in general against uh, what is a revamped offensive line for them. Uh, they lost their best uh, returning player to an injury, um, have a right guard who hasn't snapped in a college game playing center. Uh, so I'm going to be really keying on, you know, on what we're doing with the rotations with, with uh, Ulu Muale, with Tuli Gasanoa, with Betafa Tui Tutele, Bandis, and the Parker Twins, what they can manage to get done on the inside and, and hopefully, you know, certainly keep the linebackers clean and free up Braylon ZTF and company to, to, as I said, play good assignment sound football, but uh, be disruptive to, to tailing green and what he's trying to do. That's kind of my, that's going to be the kind of my number one key is to see what we do there as well as obviously not just in what, how our def, or the interior D line affects the passing game, but how that they're able to, to keep linebackers clean uh, to impact Boise state's availability to run the football. Yeah, that was listed as my number one. Um, number two was what I had mentioned. Um, but yeah, you know, we're, <laughs> we got, we got, the, we're on the same wavelength there. I think like what I mentioned earlier is all they have to do is collapse the pocket, force, uh, force him to get tired. If he has to run these long run loopy runs outside the pocket to get outside of contain versus just being able to step up and take yeah. off. Um, so yeah, for sure. I think another underrated real thing really quick is just their, 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 um, I'll say a key for them specifically, because I don't think there's anything that I think we show up and we win the game, you know, but I think for them, it's going to be their keys. And I think they're, uh, they're going to have to hit big in the, um, in the run game. You know, it's not going to need to be these conversion um, runs or four yards, five yards of carry. It's, they're going to need to hit big explosives in their run game, whether that's QB run or with Halani or Jinty. So um, can they maintain that and put up, 35 points with explosive run game. We'll yep. see. And that, that kind of touches into, you know, with what we talked about with in terms of containing tailing green, uh, certainly Eddie, you know, being fully at full strength and, you know, I think they're going to have him spy a little bit. Um, but, but that also like I win and I think there's going to be some design movement that gives tailing. This is where I think what Boise state's going to do is I think there's going to be some design movement, some bootlegs and things of that nature where he's got more of a run pass option when he's out by himself. And so I'm going to be really looking at seeing, making sure that our secondary stays sticky to the receivers, but also keep, you know, whether it's a linebacker, whether it's Asa, whether it's Dom, somebody's got eyes on Talon and doesn't allow him a free path down the sideline. Yeah, that's a great point, man. Uh, I just kind of watching them last year. I didn't see too many um, attempts outside of the hashes from the pocket. Um, it was oftentimes they had to move the pocket to get him to um, make those um, accurate throws on the outside the hashes. He tends to either run or throw in the middle of the field. 
and you're, you know, we're going to muddy the middle of the field for him. And that's where that um, interior defensive line comes. You know, if we got our hands up, we yell and scream, and he's going to have a tough time making those um, over-the-middle um, throws. So just to that point, they're going to have to get him on the edge. They're going to have to give him those run-pass options, um, rely a lot on um, um, yards after catch for a lot of receivers in the screen game, those types of things. Misdirection, traditional Boise State. They're going to have to do some trick plays, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I doubt it's going to be enough. Agreed. Yeah, and, and I think the, the third kind of key for me, and just I'm old school that way, um, but I'm just going to be really intrigued to see uh, what we're able to get done. As you mentioned, you know, Avalos defense tend to play pretty sound assignment, you know, just sound or sound defensively. Uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to me to see what we're able to get done on the ground, see what Dylan and and Dick Newton and Will Nixon and that group were able to accomplish to, to supplement and complement um, the obvious danger in <laughs> one play. We're taking it to the house ability that the pass game offers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think this is just... Uh... Um, there's a, I'm a huge boxing fan, as just some of you guys know, but there's a huge thing that they say in boxing. It's just styles make fights. Um, and then I think also what's relative to us and others saying, it's just like um, the great big man always beats the great little man. So um, I think that's kind of indicative of these programs as well. Um, you know, Boise kind of being that, that G5 dog and, you know, UW being the P5 dog. I think these are two good teams on their levels. Um, but they're this UW's going to show that this there is a yep, different level. Agreed. So I mean, like, and they're like, yes, have they? I think they got. I think it was early in the Peterson era. We played a game there and lost. Uh, but like Willingham during the Willingham era, which obviously was not a particularly auspicious era for Husky football, coming off of a, a like a big time bowl win. They came out here. I think it was Locker sophomore year, and we solidly handled them. Uh, certainly that bowl game a couple of years ago just kicked the crap out of them. The game that opened the new Husky Stadium was a good Boise State team coming to town, coached by Chris Peterson, uh, that we won, I believe, 38-6. to six. Um, This is a better iteration of the Husky yep. football team than that was, and I'm not necessarily sure that I could say that this is a better iteration of Boise State than that was. So... All right, uh, score prediction time. Uh, final tally, what do you think? Oh, man, I, I in my head I kept thinking three possessions, three possessions, three possessions. It was just how to manufacture yep. that. I do think that Grub is going to, um, you know, I, wanna, I wanted to get 50 burgers so bad, um, but I think with the new little uh, time rules and stuff like that, he, you miss out on, you know, uh, you miss out on, you know, three to four possessions a game. Um, so what I will say is I got 48 to 27. I I got three touchdown win. Um, and I, and I think 27 uh, is really good for UW's defense, but I think the way it happens happens is going to be far more impressive. I I, I do think that, uh, it's going to be very difficult to stop some of those explosive runs. Um, they are going to lean on us some drives. Um, I don't, I just don't think they stop us on, on, uh, on, when they're on defense and we're on offense, I just don't think they stop us. And um, while it might be close for the first half, it may be a little bit into the third quarter. I think, um, you know, their defense is going to get fatigue. I think uh, Taylor running around for his life is going to get fatigue. Um, And yeah, we kind of lean on him a little bit. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I, I tend to agree with you and I'm not far off. Uh, I have a little less for us and a touchdown less for them. I think it's going to be something in the in the vicinity of 45-20. Um, I think we are actually able to mostly contain an explosive run game, and I think like we, you know, I think that I have confidence that I think their long runs are going to be more in the, of the 12 and 14 yard variety, if that. Um, and that, like, I think our defense is going to buckle up a little bit when it gets into, you know, in, and make Boise State go long drives and not get explosives. And so, and I think the defense is going to buckle down a little bit. 
or buckle up and buckle down <laughs> in the red zone um, and force them more into some <laughs> field goals. And, and I agree with you. I don't think with the inexperience, um, and I believe that most of their inexperience in the secondary is at corner. I think they've got some experience at one safety position, yep. but they're start, They're going to be bringing two new corners uh, that have not played a lot of college football. Uh, and that is a bad, bad, bad recipe <laughs> with what, <laughs> with our wide receiver room and Michael Penix behind center, like with, with Ryan, with, with Ryan, Ryan Grubb calling plays. That might be a bad recipe if John Donovan was still calling plays. <laughs> Man. Cause if there's, if Ryan Grubb's going to find the mismatch, Ryan Grubb's going to find, he's going to pick it. Keep and going he's going to pick it. it. It's going to go from a scab to, uh, yeah, you got to get a little <laughs> scratch there to, uh, okay. That's, that's a cut. Oh, not, that's a gaping wound. You better ask me to, oh, dear Jesus. Hey, death by a thousand cuts. The University but... of Washington Medical Center is right there. So <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole bunch of Harborview, too. We got a whole bunch of helicopters yeah. on there. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's Washington. I think we're going to. Um, I think it's going to be relatively comfortable. It would not be surprised me if it is 45 13 late and they get one in garbage time. Um, to make it somewhat more respectable. But I think this is an impressive statement win to kick. Um, I, th- I think there's a lot of. And the reason I say that, and it's not any disrespect to Boise State, I think this team recognizes what's in front of them. And that there's not going to be any. I think they are going to be able to view every game as an opportunity to show something. And I think they're going to absolutely capitalize it on capitalize on that this Saturday. I think throughout the season, we're going to find out that Boise State's a yep. really good team. You know, um, now granted, they're not, they don't play super tough opponents, but I think we are going to find out that this is a really good Boise State team that, you know, regardless of it being week one, they got blown out by you to, yeah, they won 10 know, games. And then last another year. little, it, it, dude, exactly. And I mean, you're expecting, to be honest, man, just after watching Taylor, you know, I was, I had like watched highlights last year, um, but watching them more closely, he does have some obvious uh, deficiencies, but for the most part, man, at, at the collegiate level, he's a weapon. He's a, he's a significant weapon. I th- I think uh, just a smaller, a uh, little tidbit also to take away from this is is you know kind of, I kind of said the styles make fights, but this uh, it's, watching this is going to kind of prepare me for what we're going to see. I would think versus like a Utah or Wazoo or an Oregon or an Oregon State. Just kind of that heavy run, explosive run, moving the quarterback outside of the pocket for the explosive pass game. Um, Because you saw last year, we had a mobile quarterback almost every single week, and it just seemed like we just couldn't find the recipe. Obviously, there were injuries, but we just couldn't find the recipe to contain them in the first half. And so uh, I think even, I think it was Morrell or or, uh, DeBoer mentioned it. He was like, that's like one of the biggest things that we have to do is quarterback contain, quarterback contain. And not just for Taylor, but for the majority of the quarterbacks in their schedule. So this would be great insight Cam to run. yeah similar offense. Cam rising if healthy can run. DJ mm-hmm. is is a, is mobile enough to be able to run. Certainly Bo Nix is, is quite mobile. Caleb Williams is on another level mobile. Cam Ward is a mobile mm-hmm. quarterback. No, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I would say it's it's also two kind of the offensive styles too if you look at uh how those quarterbacks and those offenses typically have to be on boots for their explosives. They're not making their explosives outside the hashes for the most mm-hmm. part um, between uh, in the pocket. So just very similar kind of offenses, relying on that run game and that explosive run game too. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think this is going to be a great indication of how we're going to play those yep. teams if healthy. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's the other big key is that's the key every week is stay as healthy as is commonly and huskily possible <laughs> hey we you know we mentioned um we we're talking about freshmen and I, I'm, I'm assuming it doesn't count but i just the, the mailbag question and i'm just thinking it is going to be the it's going to be the first snaps for parker parker's yeah, uh, brailsford big, i mean and, and huge like it, it's he's not going to burn a shirt he's already used his red shirt but that's obviously going to be a big key yeah um that, that you're right we should have mentioned and talked about that 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 aspect of the game in terms of what we were talking about with, with the run game, keeping Mike clean to, for us to land some of those explosive shots uh, on them in, in the past game. Parker's going to be a big part of that. 
we thinking uh this is off the cuff, but we thinking we get back to back uh all American offensive linemen, freshman team. Ah, I, I think that could happen pretty, I very much do. I, I, um, again, not to send everybody going back into, into our catalog of episodes. (laughs) Um, but I definitely would encourage people that are new to our new listeners to, to go back to, to our, our recruiting, uh, recap pods. Uh, And here are our thoughts on Parker. I, I certainly like, you know, congrats to Parker, congrats to his dad. Uh, great opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a sterling Husky career in, in that young man's future. Um, I agree. I think that's a great point. I hadn't, I hadn't put that, the, that two and two together. And I'm like, Ooh, uh, I, Ooh, see, so see, my friend, you are on. The the cap from... Hey, look, we got, we could, we could ask that question to the, to the TL. Yeah. There we go. See? Yes. Do we have a freshman all American coming up or a, or, or a freshman all conference member in Parker Brails? I, I, well, I will unequivocally say all freshman all conference. Yes. Easy. Like, yeah. Freshman team. Absolutely. But talk about that feather in the cap. Talk about that feather in the cap for Huff. If he's back to back, he gets back to back at different positions yep. too. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, that's a great shout. Um, actually, and I late breaking news. You sure you didn't talk to somewhere like we have a hive mind going on. I just heard from, from the darker night. His, uh, his prediction is, uh, dogs 48, 20. So your offensive, your point score for the dogs, my point score for Boise state. Like we're either Uh all great minds that think alike, or we're all in deep shit. We're all going to be at that game. Just okay, another, n- another drink. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Crap. It's going to be another drink. Cheers or another drink. Oh, shit. You know. Either drink cheers or another or, or drink tears. <laughs> hey, and this is one of those games, too. You get the day games where, like, there's so much of the day afterwards. So it's like it's either going to make or break, like, your day. Yeah. You know, you're going to go home to your spouse or something and be like, don't talk to me. I only want dinner. <laughs> I don't even want it. Nope. Where's cereal at? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it, it's, it's also funny, too, that, you know, one of the concerns, I think, um, I'd say uh, position group concerns that a lot of people had, and I wouldn't, I don't know if it concern is the right word, just ha- they have to prove it, was interior offensive line, and they didn't even come up the whole pod. So that just shows you the confidence in, in that, you know, I think what a lot of people do is they look at, you know, oh, it's a new starter, et cetera. But how long have they been in the program? And then and then also, too, you look at situations like, you know, the majority of the fans wanted Troy to play. The majority of the fans wanted Roger to play. It's just they had to wait their turns. And now it's the same situation. Dudes that are behind, you know, a lot of the guys that left are equally as good or better prospects. So that's why, you know, while they're new faces, a lot of people aren't concerned. And the offensive uh, coordinator and, and the head coach aren't concerned either. So The only one that's going to be facing, quote-unquote, live bullets for the first time is Parker. Mateo is – Exactly, and he's surrounded by a bunch of starts. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's surrounded by a bunch of starts. He's got – he's going to have Troy to his – or no, I'm playing. It's Roger playing right tackle because it's Mike's blind side. Yeah. We've got yeah. an all American on on one side of you will be just fine. Uh, exactly. Like, and to the point, cause it, and, and, and we can, we can say who it was. There's been a lot of talking about this from, from our friend, Doug, uh, Douglas uh, TS on the timeline about the, the lack of experience of, of, you know, of UW's offensive line relative to Oregon's offensive line. You make a great point about, the experience that we have on that line being in our system, even if they weren't starters versus somebody coming in to a system new, as well as a new offensive coordinator in Oregon to begin with. Um, there's still a lot of talent. And again, it's that experience that's been in the system. It's not like we're picking three guys off the street and throwing them to the wolves. The other, uh, one of my things too, is I just, you know, I, I kind of have a lot of pushback sometimes when it comes to, you know, certain additions in the portal. And one of the things that I was really harping on was 
we needed another uh, offensive lineman, another versatile offensive lineman, and potentially like a guy that's a tackle guard, you know, not a guard right. tackle. And um, I was reminded of Jason Clem, you know, and he's the only he's the outsider that came in and typically kind of running with second team. Um, so there, it's not a guy that we brought in to immediately jump in the starting lineup and um, that we're asking it a lot of. Um, everybody, like you said, has been in the system, has grown in the system, whereas, you know, you have a lot of other programs um, in our conference and around the country that are plugging in with high high ceiling guys. But. They're dudes that have to learn personalities. There are dudes that haven't been in the fire together before. You know what I mean? So those things are very, very important um, when it comes you down to wins and you losses. You frequently find better offensive lines amongst five guys, you know, with three or four guys that have played together for a long time versus five guys that are brand new or two guys that are experienced and three guys that are brand new that are, that are quote-unquote, more talented. Wasn't that literally the strength of Oregon's offensive line and USC's offensive lines last year is that they were basically all the COVID groups that had all had this extra year of eligibility. So they all had been super cohesive for so long. It wasn't the fact that any of them were first round guys. It was the fact that they had all been together forever. Other than Josh Conley. For Oregon. Like, exactly. And he was like rotational. Right. But they'd been there, like they you'd had a bunch of guys that had been in the system for a long time. Yes, and a bunch of them had they'd accumulated more starts than than Nate and you know Julius had been or Mateo hasn't. But but it's not like we're this is the first time Nate and Mateo are are getting a, a significant amount of reps, you know, in, in games. Like until Jackson came back last year, Nate was our starter. <laughs> exactly, and then Mateo through three different staffs has gotten starts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, totally not concerned, specifically about Mateo, too. Right, exactly. Again, the only one that is going to have a wide-eyed, like, this is the first time I'm doing this, is Parker. I mean, and he I don't know how, I, I don't have it handy about how many games he got into last year, if any, as a as a true freshman with his four games, but still. It's not, we're not throwing an 18 year old that was in high school four months ago. It's not three of them. And, uh, and Ryan Grubb's comments about him being, you know, basically guard number one, you know, and people are battling for the second guard. Well, no, and, <laughs> and the other point, that's why well, no, the other point that I would make is. And what, uh, what did we do specifically in the portal this year? We, yeah, we, we, we did go get more of a tackle guard, like you said, with, with Clem. But what else did we do in terms of uh, what we got in the portal this year? We brought in two running backs that catch the football. Gee, what's one way to yep. mitigate if your seam may be a little bit more in pressure right up the gut? How to mitigate that? Come on. Quarterback out. Could it be throwing a ball, to, either a dump off or a screen to a running back? Is that a concept yep. that works fairly often? Yep. And, I mean, obviously the Parker start kind of indicates that they want to be out in space more. The Mateo at center says they want to be in space more. You know, um, having somebody like Boilu probably probably backing up Nate says that they probably want quicker feet. So they're probably going to be in space more. So that's really cool. I, I, I do have a problem with, uh, or not a problem, but... I do now, in hindsight, see the significant value in Chris Peterson hiding injuries because it would have been really awesome for Boise State to think that Cam Davis was playing this week. <laughs> like, oh, wait, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, who the hell is it? He just shows up in a brace. Right, and, and all of a sudden these guys are like, we didn't scout this guy. <laughs> exactly. We thought Dylan Johnson was the one that was hurt. Jesus. Right. So I don't know how much I like them. Just yeah. So this person's out today, and I just uh, I'm like, dang, I, I didn't really think there was a competitive advantage until yeah, until we didn't have but, it. But yeah, I it's so overblown. Like, and, and again, we like last year's O line play was unbelievable. Can this still be an an exceptional, if not top offense, you know, top three, top five offense in the country, even if? There's a little bit more quarterback pressure. Absolutely. If there's 12, 10, also, 10, how many first instead of eight? It was 
it was it, I, I, bro, whatever yeah, the add, number add was, three. but like it's not going to increase by something that's super going to it's not going gonna gonna to like significant like all of a sudden it's what Brock Heward went through later in his career. And also, didn't we have three brand new starters last year on the offensive line? <laughs> Two at tackle? <laughs> Two at tackle and one at center. Like what, <laughs> like what bro? Are, I am not tripping. Like, I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping. In, in case you missed it, Doug, we clowning you right now. <laughs> Yeah, man, you know, uh, shout out to all the stars and all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? That's really defining everything. You, right? Shout out to Florida stars. Hey, shout out to West Coast stars because, you know, there, there, there haven't been any five stars lately that didn't actually end up doing much. It's going to be a fun game. I'm excited to see what Boise State's uniforms yep. look like and see what they like to get beat in. <laughs> it should be some fun. How much that – I mean, the you know, one of the games that I watched to, to, to get ready was the, their game against BYU last year, and they were basically wearing all black uniforms. Obviously, blue is a primary <laughs> color for them. I mean, like, maybe they're just going to come in wearing black and blue so that it hides what, what happens <laughs> after. <laughs> <laughs> they gonna get beat black and blue. <laughs> they gonna wear what they leaving in. But you still got your uniform on? <laughs> nope. You still got kicked my nah. kicked the shit out of me. They kicked my ass. I saw purple and I turned black and blue. <laughs> All right, man. I we gonna call it. Any final thoughts, or, or should we call this one good? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a serene rap, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see I'm excited to see you guys. Excited to see Husky Nation out in full force. bunch of a uh, bunch of tickets already sold and stuff like that. So if you see me again or any of us, say yep. say what's up. We're not that. Uh, if you don't know what us look, if you and if you don't know what we look like, just listen for us. We're not that hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be clowning Boise State ankle socks. So you're here. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you at Husky Stadium on Saturday. Go dogs! Go dogs! Yes, sir. You can support this podcast at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash sound the siren pod uw slash support. Thanks. Go dogs.